Welcome to season two of We Are Here, sponsored by CrowdStrike. In part two of this season, Ron and Chris have a vulnerable conversation with titans in technology and champions of diversity. These leaders represent some of the biggest names in technology and academia and embody the philosophy of we are here. Glad to be back again in this special series, We Are Here. And this season, this series, we're going to highlight leaders and their role and how they've transformed our industry as we know it. Our panelists today are industry leaders. We have Marianne Budnick, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at CrowdStrike, Sean Henry, President and CSO at CrowdStrike, MK Palmore, Cybersecurity Strategic Advisor and also at Google at the moment, and Olivia Hereford, Regional Director, Employer Engagement at Bay Area Community College Consortium. It is exciting and an opportunity to speak to you all today. We are beyond excited to have this panel. We did this panel in February of this year, and we talked about cybersecurity excellence in the Black community. But now we're expanding that conversation into diversity, equity, and inclusion. And we have incredible leaders with us here today. But I won't steal all the thunder. I want you all to take some time, tell us where you came from and what you're doing today. Let's start with you, Marianne. Sure, absolutely. First and foremost, pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Just by quick way of background, you know, I've been in technology for well over 25 years now at this point, uh, both with large Fortune 500 companies and very fast-growing startups from the beginning. So throughout my tech journey, I fell in love with cybersecurity about five years ago and couldn't be more excited to be with the CrowdStrike organization right now. So uh, it's been a great journey and and one I'm happy to talk about today with the with the group. Outstanding. Can't wait to hear a little bit more about your journey. MK, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell, what, er, tell everybody what you're doing today. Yeah, you bet. First of all, again, thanks for having me on uh, on this particular podcast. Looking forward to the discussion. MK Palmore, I'm a uh, director in the office of the CISO for Google Cloud. On my now second stint in the private sector after a an extensive career in the U.S. government between the U.S. Marines and the Federal Bureau of Investigation, longtime security practitioner and a longtime champion of uh, DEI efforts. Looking forward to the combo. Outstanding. And MK, you're the reason behind all of this, to be honest with you, that moment that you came into our studio and you said, you, I love working with young entrepreneurs. And we were like, we're not getting paid for this. But eventually we grew that into an incredible business. So we have you to thank for that. And let's go over to one of my favorite guests that we've ever had on the podcast, Olivia. Your story was incredible. I felt like I was watching a movie. If they don't make a movie about your life, I don't know what people are thinking, but would love to have you introduce yourself and tell everybody what you're working on. Well, when you've been at it for as long as I have, it's always a great story. <laughs> well, I, I've been in tech. I started in tech in the mid 70s, uh, 25 years in hardware and software organizations, and uh, then got really interested in leadership and um, left and, 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 and took that route for a while, but still wasn't seeing the diversity and that I really was passionate about wanting to see in this industry. And ended up now uh, working where I think we have some of the most incredible opportunities for diversity and inclusion, and that is in our community college system. And uh, I'm really excited now to be working with the Bay Area Community College Consortiums and connecting employers and students and opportunities with a focus on equity and bringing into that my 10, 15 years in leadership development. And uh, I really think that Therein lies a lot of our opportunities for diversity and inclusion, and hopefully we'll talk a little bit about that. Absolutely, we will. Thank you so much for that. And last but not least, Sean, I know you're a leader. You are incredibly busy, but you took the time to talk with us today. Please tell us a little bit about you and what you're doing today. 
I appreciate the opportunity to be here. This is a, a really important discussion. And uh, I, I'm thinking about uh, you and Ron and becoming entrepreneurs, and maybe you can license Olivia's story and make the movie. That would be <laughs> an opportunity for you all to, to you get go. that story out. Uh, I, like MK, spent uh, 24 years in the FBI, been at CrowdStrike now for 10 years. So I've been in security for about 34 years now, give or, give or take, uh, focused on protecting good people from bad things. And it's been a, an honor and a privilege to serve. So I'm really looking forward. This is an, an important topic, something that I've, uh, throughout my career, both in the government and the private sector, have worked on and, and invested in trying to uh, provide opportunities um, and, and help people. So I'm looking forward to the discussion. Outstanding. And we definitely got to get you that executive producer slot for setting up that content. But let's go ahead and get right to the discussion. You know, this is such an important topic, and I think it's really important to really set the stage. Let's start in the very beginning. Where do we come from as a technology community from a diversity, equity, and inclusion standpoint? We're going to get to where we're at today and then also the future. But really, let's talk about your first interest in diversity, equity, and inclusion in the space. What did you see? What were the gaps? And how did you feel like you could make a change? Well, one of the things that I did immediately after finishing college was I joined the um, L.A. chapter of the National Black Professional Engineers. And uh, one of the things that we were doing was reaching out to high schools and uh, primarily high schools to show that, hey, there are people that look like you in engineering, in technology, and here's what you can do. But it was really interesting. It was a bit of a struggle for me, even in that environment. And whereas, again, I was the only woman in the chapter. And um, I sometimes within my own community, I faced unconscious bias. And as a result, I must confess, I left the organization. So that was the beginning of understanding where we have the intersection sometime of lack of diversity and unconscious bias. And instead, I began to work more within the organizations where I worked to foster change. But my point is the most important thing I think we need to do is show aspiring young people that there are people that look like them uh, that are doing the work that they're interested in and not to give up. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of a story that, that I have. I was living in Silicon Valley and I was living in a really, really nice house and I had some food delivery come in. I opened the door and it was another black male and he's like, hey, you know, almost like he recognized me and that's a, a definitely a good feeling. But then he asked, are you a football player? And that took me aback because we're in the mecca of technology. The majority of the money that's being made is through innovation and technology. But he immediately thought that I was a football player because it seems like that recurring story is that you either have to be in entertainment or in sports to make it out of your socioeconomic status. But I wanted to change that. And so by being more visible with the stuff that Ron and I are doing, we want to say that you don't have to do that. There are so many other avenues in which to improve your socioeconomic status. Marianne, what about you? What about that beginning of when you started thinking about diversity, equity, and inclusion? What was that story? And how did you feel like you could make a difference? Yeah, you know, my story started we go back, I was working at EMC right back in the data storage days when, you know, there were a little north of maybe 10% women in that organization. And I think women found it particularly difficult to be able to rise to the ranks and advance their careers. And there weren't, there wasn't an infrastructure in place and there weren't mentoring systems in place. And to your point, there were no women at the top um, or anywhere near the top, frankly. And so, you know, through my journey, it was, you know, how do you really um, become thoughtful about the choices that you need to make in your career and seek out um, the right managers and the right organizations and be confident enough to advocate for yourself and confident enough in your skills, which isn't always easy to do, right, in an environment where no one looks like you and, and, and the, the vibe is just different. Um, and so it really was a journey of, you know, helping other women in the organization, um, you know, form relationships. And uh, particularly, I think, 
you know, as you start women during that stage of their life where they feel as though they have to make the trade-off decision about can they really advance their career or, you know, are they raising young children and have very difficult trade-offs in that realm? We see that a lot today with what we're all talking about in the great resignation and how that's very disproportionately skewing towards women leaving the workforce, women who have advanced their careers over years. And, you know, this this, pa- this past two years has just been incredibly difficult. And I think we've gone backwards in many ways. And so I think it's a time, I think there are, you know, companies like CrowdStrike and Google and others who are um, making extraordinary efforts to find ways to continue to advance um, opportunities for women, even through very challenging times and work from home and just rethinking, reimagining the way that we can work, the way that we can develop leaders. And so uh, that was, that was, what first, you know, trying to raise my own three children and, and struggle with that decision about can't, you know, can I have it all? Um, you know, and probably the best advice I was given during that time um, by a really terrific woman was she said, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time, right? So be thoughtful about the choices you make, right? And when you step into different roles and be comfortable that it's not always a straight line up. It's not always about, is my next role going to have the largest organization or a bigger budget, right? But really be thoughtful about the choices that you make so that you're growing and learning. Um, But you can have it all. Don't give up on that dream. You can have it all. You just can't necessarily have it all at the same time. And that has served me really well. And the reason that resonates so much with me is I have three daughters. And to be quite honest, I'm I'm not ready. I'm not ready for my girls mm-hmm. to go out into the world as it is. I needed to get better. So the more conversations we can have about this now, the better it's going to be for them when they hit the workforce, when they go out into the world and they're standing on their own two feet. So thank you so much for, for sharing that and, and can't wait to talk more about that. MK, wanted to check in with you. When did you really first start thinking about diversity? equity and inclusion and what are you doing in that space right now uh so great question and uh inspired by the uh, the answer so far and yes also a girl dad like you chris so worried about the uh, the world that uh that i'll be turning over to my daughter at some point or or, or encouraging her to to venture out into you know the um the the diversity and inclusion um, aspect of my career really, really has been a you know focal point for the entirety of my professional life. I'm always used to being a singular entity or singular type at the table, right? Uh, every room that I enter, there are very few people at the professional level who look like me or share a similar background as my own. But it really um, struck me uh, as I had the opportunity during the last portion of my career in the FBI, uh, I was an executive put in charge of one of the largest cybersecurity investigative teams that the Bureau has out here in the Bay Area, you know, a variety of folks, investigators, forensics personnel, analysts assigned to me. And part of my mandate was outreach to the private sector. So I would spend quite a few hours each week in the, you know, uh, C-suite, boards of directors, meetings, evangelizing and talking about the Bureau's uh, dance on cybersecurity and what we were seeing on the cyber threat landscape. And I was struck time and again in nearly every meeting that I had the benefit to be a part of or to provide briefings at is that I was the singular African-American in the room. And on top of that, there certainly were no women in the room. I mean, it was startling. I would come back from one meeting after the next and I was appreciative of the opportunity to get in front of these folks, but no one looked like me. So, you know, uh, any opportunity, I think, to have a voice in this issue was a, um, uh, became quickly important to me because I felt like, you know, there were voices that were not being heard in what persists to be what I think the, business, the biggest business risk and challenge of the foreseeable future. And that's around issues related to cybersecurity. And I just thought that uh, people of color and women were missing out on an opportunity to participate in this. And let's, I mean, hopefully we'll get around to talking about the economics of it. I mean, just the opportunities present in a field like this to see that, uh, you know, women and people of color are largely not participating in it um, drove me to start figuring out how I could, you know, help change the narrative around that. And, you know, I had the opportunity, I think it was back in early 2017 or maybe in the summer of 2017. A group then called ICMCP put on a West Coast conference or summit. I attended it. 
the message resonated with me. I then got an opportunity to meet women and people of color who were in technology at a variety of levels. And at the time, ICMCP was, as far as I could tell, one of the only games in town. So, you know, not only did I join the organization, but upon retiring from the FBI, at my first uh, stop on the uh, on the private sector stage, I was able to stand up uh, the Bay Area chapter for, again, then ICMCP. It's now called Cybersity. Um, and it was it's just been a, a bit of a whirlwind. First of all, there's tons of leaders out here in this space, people who want to make a difference on this issue. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with Olivia over the past uh, two years as we uh, continue to put things on the palette uh, of the Bay Area chapter for cybersity. And it's just about getting people together, networking, providing opportunities, making sure that uh, you know we make those uh, inroads into these massive organizations that are out here in Silicon Valley. And really the whole thing from my perspective is just to try and create opportunities for people. It's all about giving folks just a chance to get a seat at the table uh, and to be able to have a voice and to participate in really what is a, you know, a revolution of business, which is, you know, technology, which I'm such a huge fan of. Outstanding intro. We might have to cut the beginning part because your career is kind of boring. And I'm just kidding. You got Marine Corps, (laughs) FBI, and you're doing what what's so incredible about that is that a lot of the folks that I know that are very successful, maybe they're entrepreneurs, high powered executives, they skew central. Like they skew to themselves a little bit, but I, f- I feel like you found this like really good balance of being able to push yourself forward, but you're bringing a lot of folks with you. And so definitely have to commend you on that. And I know that Sean, you have a pretty similar background, but it might be a little bit different. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen in the past and why you got involved in the diversity and equity and inclusion. It's probably way different. <laughs> and I'm, uh, I'm going to, tell you a story that only a couple of people, a couple of close friends that I've ever talked to, but in the interest of the importance of this program, I'll tell this, I'll tell the story because I I think that part of diversity and inclusion is about education, about people understanding and about people being exposed to different things. I grew up in a completely homogenous environment. I had 604 people in my high school and I think I think every one of them was white and I didn't have any exposure to people from different cultures. And I don't want to say that the the community was racist, but it certainly was uneducated and naive in a lot of ways. And when I went into the FBI in my mid twenties, I had, I had zero exposure. And that's when I really recognized about diversity because even in the FBI, when I went there, it still was pretty limited in terms of exposure to other nationalities and people of color, et cetera. So, but, but I certainly recognize it. But I remember, and MK will likely remember, when you go through the academy, you're not allowed to go out for you know, 13 or 14 weeks. You're kind of locked in your classroom and you're going through training and everybody's focused. There's no movement beyond the academy until the week before graduation and they let you go out. And I went out with a group of about maybe eight or 10 people. And we went to a club outside of Quantico, more of a bar. And it was probably about 60% black, 70% black. And I walked in and I was 25 years old, 26 years old. And again, really limited exposure. And I'm embarrassed to say now, but again, it's such an important story to tell that I felt intimidated, uncomfortable being in that environment. And when I think back now, 30 years later, more than 30 years later, it's, it really has helped me through my transition as an executive in the FBI. That night, that moment, the feelings that I had and me working through all that and recognizing that you know, it's, it was the lack of exposure. It was the lack of understanding. It was the lack of interaction. And where I am today in my professional life, my, my personal life, how I've grown and, and incorporated and integrated myself into so many different environments and relationships, friendships, et cetera, that was the defining moment for me in my life as a 25-year-old young man. And it really got my attention. And, and I, I, I wanted to, to make an effort 
going forward to make sure that I saw people in the right light, that I exposed myself to different things, that I, that I opened myself up to, um, to different experiences. And we'll talk more about that. Um, you can hear the emotion in my voice. It's, it was an important moment. These are all, I, I feel like, really important stories to share. And I'm relating to all of them in, you know, my own unique way. There's been times where I feel like I've grown up in a bubble when it comes to cybersecurity. My first mentors that I had the opportunity to meet and work with were all Black. They were all men of color. Even a, a few women in my life helped me kind of follow my path into cybersecurity. And when I got my professional start, I was working at Booz Allen Hamilton doing contract work for the DOD, and I was surrounded by military members. So I, I got to see women participate in the type of cybersecurity activities I was doing, and also men, uh, people that were kind of uh, different than I was in many different ways outside of race or gender. And now when I started in the corporate field, I saw the difference. I saw that I was the only person in the room. I didn't really have anyone to relate to. And I got my start into diversity, equity, and inclusion with Chris. We decided it would be fun and inclusive to create a podcast and just chat with people that we don't have the opportunity to chat with, but also bring on the rising stars in our industry. There's so many opportunities that are missed just by trying to talk to the executives or talk to the people that have big names behind them. But I think there's a lot of things that we could do just talking to the regular employees that are out there helping our, our industry and our community progress along with the technology. And one of the things that I really learned over time is diversity is focused on by companies. But what about equity and inclusion? Those are, you know, their own aspects and their own concepts by themselves. But I feel like it's missed quite often equity and inclusion when looking at the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation. wanted to ask you all your opinion on and, you know, the things that you all are doing with equity and inclusion and what that means for you. Uh, let's start with you, Marian. Sure. I mean, you know, I think from the standpoint of equity and inclusion, it's, it's being thoughtful as leaders, right? I think, again, from a CrowdStrike perspective, our, I think the team has done an incredible job of really expanding the employee resource groups, right? Really helping people connect. And again, we live in a time right now where folks are so physically distributed that those connections that you can, that people can make to find the support networks and to have companies really foster that and invest in that and proactively bring people together. I think we're empowered with technologies that, you know, that we all have today that we didn't have years ago. This podcast is one example, right? But but how we really lean into that notion of, um, you know, equity among all, all of the, the broadest base of constituents within an organization that, that really can add value to, to the smallest conversation or the largest initiative, right? The, the more complete we are in representing you know, the world, um, the better solutions we're going to bring forward. Absolutely. And the thoughtfulness is definitely there. You, you all are helping support this conversation and also the platform for us to reach many other people. And I know that CrowdStrike is working with a lot of organizations, including Cyversity, mm -hmm. to help all people, whether they're underrepresented or just looking for an opportunity to better themselves in many different ways. I wanted to ask the same for you, Olivia. What has been your experience with the equity and inclusion portions of DE&I? And what are your thoughts about those two concepts? Well, you know, I heard a, a, a definition of equity uh, a month or so ago that I, I really, really resonated with me. And it's just simply doing more for the people who need more to, to help them be successful. And inclusion is just simply belonging and feeling welcome that uh, you feel that you can play here. Okay. And uh, those are simple, you know, definitions, but if they really go a lot deeper, you know, starting with, um, again, my reason for being excited about working in the community college uh, arena is that we got a pipeline issue where we, people are, are not persisting because of issues around equity and inclusion. And then those that make it through the funnel into the corporate environment are experiencing the same issues of, of really not uh, having awareness of their leadership of the kind of support that they need and a leadership creating a culture 
that begins to deal with some of the issues that cause people to give up and leave. So I, th that has been my focus the last 10 years or so is focusing on helping those that may need it more and creating environments where they can feel comfortable being themselves and bringing what they have to bring. It almost reminds me of being a left-handed person. Like I'm left-handed. <laughs> and when I was growing up, there wasn't many devices at that point that were out there for lefties. And it was very frustrating for me to learn how to even use scissors. Scissors are absolutely designed for right-handed people. So when I put it on my left hand, like my thumb didn't fit in to the scissors in the right way. So it's somewhat similar to that, but it goes even deeper. These are really core and emotional challenges that someone could face all day at their work. We spend eight hours plus at our jobs most of the time. And what I've heard is the businesses are the best places to start to introduce diversity, equity, and inclusion. If we do that there, then it's going to funnel into the home. But we have to first create a diverse workforce. We have to first find strategies to create those equitable and inclusive opportunities for individuals. Okay, what has been your experience with equity and inclusion and what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so let's uh, let's open the, the Pandora's box to the secret that I think employers and others are figuring out. And that is, if you allow people to bring their full selves to the table to work, they're actually more productive. Uh, secrets out, <laughs> secrets out on that, right? You know, honestly, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised, you know, take that for what it's worth. You know, again, spent a long career in government and now, you know, between my last stint at Palo Alto Networks and now at, uh, at Google, I'm pleasantly surprised employers are making space for people to be themselves, employee network, uh, network groups, one, bringing the topic out and, and putting it full tilt so folks can express their feelings convey uh, their concerns about, you know, how they're perceived, how they're treated and things, things of that nature. I mean, it, it's all um, open for folks to examine. And uh, I, I like what I'm seeing so far. I like the emphasis on it in our places of business. Uh, and I think it makes a difference. I, I think when people are more comfortable about who they are and not making attempts to try and hide any aspect of their lives when they're at work, Again, you guys stated, and you know, we, we spend, or at least you know, prior to the pandemic, now it seems like even more, we spend a vast majority of the work week in these places of business. And now those lines are blurred, but people still need to be made to feel comfortable to bring their whole selves to uh, these places of business. And it's, uh, it, again, great that we're paying attention to this. And, and I like where we're headed and I like where we're focused on this. Uh, certainly having a great experience so far at Google, but uh, there's a lot more work to do. Uh, the door's open now, and we're at least having these conversations. There is a lot more work. And when you look at bringing your whole self into work, it can be somewhat scary because your colleagues might not be used to experiencing a person like you. They might have never met someone like you. You might be different when it comes to just your mindset, different when it comes to the, the ways that you dress. And it's really up to the organizations, the leaders, to make those environments safe for people to bring more of themselves into work. And we talk to a lot of guests in cybersecurity about this specific topic. And they typically say it starts with the leaders, it starts with the executives, and a lot of times even the CEO. But Sean, you are the CSO, which is a huge title for a company at CrowdStrike. And you have the opportunity to change really the opportunities for many people when it comes to security, but also a great place to work. What are some things that you've looked at when it comes to equity and inclusion to make your staff more included in the conversations and feel like they have the great opportunities that are in front of them? You know, I, I think it goes back to, to what MK just said and what, what you just re reiterated, Ron, which is making people feel like themselves. I've had situations um, where people were closeted. They didn't, their, their sexuality was not publicly known. They were not uh, invited to events, or they were invited to events, but they couldn't bring their partner with them because of the concern about how it would be perceived, and and they were afraid that it would would impact their professional life. This is not inside Crosstrike, but family member that are close with. When I seeing those issues, it it gives you that level of awareness about how important it is to be inclusive, to accept people for who they are, to let them shine, to give them the opportunity. And if they can be themselves, that they are more productive. But 
But besides the fact that from a business perspective, it makes sense, it's actually the right thing to do from a humanitarian perspective about treating people the right way because of who they are. And if people are, are good people and they're doing the right thing and they're you know contributing members of the community, well, shouldn't we open our arms and allow them in? And I think that your point about the leader, uh, I always say the leader sets the pace for the rest of the pack. And I know our CEO and our entire executive team, Marianne and I are on, on the executive team at CrowdStrike. There is no way for people to express themselves. In other words, uh, people will be accepted in, in our, our community, our corporate community. People are encouraged to be themselves. And that whole aperture is wide open, I think, as a company recognizing the value, again, that diversity brings to the business. But I think that's secondary. The business results are secondary to doing the right thing for the right reason and welcoming people because it's the human thing to do. It's the right thing to do for humanity, for our civilization. And I think that buildings are built a brick at a time. And I think every time we take a step forward, it's, it's an opportunity for us all to get better as a broader community. And I'm, I'm proud to be able to play that, that part and that role at CrowdStrike, our company, uh, welcoming people that way and trying to make just the world a, a little bit of a better place. It might sound cliche, but I'm a believer in, in one step forward, one step at a time. You know, I love everything you just said, but especially about the leader of an organization, because a lot of times it really does start at the very top. And one thing that I was just reminded of, we were nominated for a Webby Award. And when you get a Webby Award, your acceptance speech has to be five words. And Ron and I, we tormented over what we could say in five words that would matter to us and matter to other folks. And the five words were representation matters, we are here. And that really wasn't just about us, but that was about all people in humanity. And it makes me think about our idols and the people that have made big impacts on our lives. Representation matters to me. And this seems so insignificant, but at the time it was so powerful for me. When I saw Miles Morales, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse, it's an animated cartoon, but it showed the Spider-Man was being black and of Latinx descent, which I thought was incredible because now you opened up the aperture for all sorts of children to be Spider-Man and feel comfortable in that uniform. Uh, Olivia and Marianne, I'd love to ask you, what was that representation for you? Was there a woman that you looked up to that had a major impact on your life and your career? Absolutely. And what I found was, you know, candidly, my greatest mentors came from speaking to men in the business and saying, who do you know? Because frankly, in the organization that I was in, in the time when I got what I'll say to this day has been my strongest female role model. It was someone that I think I had to get to two or three male connections to say, there's a woman who works in this completely different industry in a different role, but she's terrific. And I think you should meet her. And, you know, so again, it was about being proactive and just recognizing the need. It's, you know, we have these forums to make connections today. But yeah, it was a woman who general counsel, so in a legal department, completely different than marketing, but she was rising up the ranks and trying to balance four children and can you make it work and how do you keep going? And yeah, so it was a, it's been a phenomenal experience and one that's been close to 30 years now, I'm, I'm happy to say. Mm. And I think the message in that is, you know, when I talk to women at all companies today, who aren't quite sure of how to navigate. And I think the one thing for us as leaders is just continuously being out there and, and asking people the question. I asked a young woman on my team just last week, have you, you know, joined the Women of CrowdStrike group, right? Um, who, who's your mentor? How are you doing this? And um, it's amazing as much as we want this, just how proactive we need to be and how we need to really keep reinforcing to people that, resources exist and reaching out um, because there are great relationships that can make an enormous difference um, for people who are you know, trying to chart their course. So That's incredible. And I, I'm glad that you had someone that you could even talk to about anything in your career because it's hard to get going if you don't see someone that you can confide into and ask what direction that they took in, in order to help guide you. So Kudos to you for doing that. And want to pass it over to you, Olivia. Who was that person that stood out in your mind 
as a mentor or maybe even someone that you haven't even met that you had a major impact on who you are as a person? The, the, the latter, because unfortunately, I there wasn't anyone like that for me, not at least in my profession. My mentors were, you know, a, a, a successful family member, an aunt, a woman who was successful entrepreneur. And I said, oh, she could do be successful. I can. But it had nothing to do with the career that I was on. It was just a, an inspiration as an individual. But later on, uh, when I did get into, you know, it had been in tech for a while, I began to follow Ursula Burns in her ascent in Xerox. And uh, I was not surprised in recently reading her autobiography that I I pretty much said, oh, yeah, I kind of sized up her journey because she was just she was incredible what she was able to accomplish. And she was an engineer who made herself made her way up into the top of leadership of a, of a, of a Fortune 100 company. So, um, again, that was kind of the model. But I, I you know, I, I, I got to also agree with Marianne that a lot of times those mentors were were men, people who I could uh, just basically go to for questions and support and help and uh, bounce my ideas against them. And another thing Marianne said earlier that really uh, uh, resonated with me is that I learned to become an advocate for myself very early. So when you do that, you are comfortable with reaching out to people that you may not know, but that you see that they might have something that they could help you with. So yeah, not very many back then. Yeah, I think a lot of people are calling advocating for yourself now personal branding. But I think advocating for yourself is more of an appropriate term just because there's so many things that you're going to do for yourself throughout your career and throughout your life. And it's more it's in the, and it goes beyond just how you brand yourself and the things that you tell other people. But one of the things that I love about both you all's story is that it was the existing people in the industry, the men, that were helping you guide yourselves through your journey. And I think that's the same case for us today. We're in the industry. There's There should be more of all of us. There's, there's an abundance of opportunity, especially in cybersecurity. And as the leaders, we can set goals for ourselves to reach this diversity, equitable, and inclusive workspace. Sean, I wanted to start with you. What are some of the goals that you've set for yourself that you haven't necessarily hit yet that you're hoping to make a change in the industry and strive for? I think when I look at goals going forward, it's to provide opportunities for other people. You know, I'm, I'm a lot closer to the end of my career than I am to the beginning. I, I feel very fortunate to have, have done the things that I've done professionally. I feel like I've had an, an incredible opportunity myself and the opportunity to help others by supporting causes that uh, allow for that inclusion. I think when I think of DEI, I think the inclusion for me, the inclusion piece is the most important piece, the exposure. And I, and I used my personal example. We're all a, an aggregate of our personal experiences. And the experience I started the, the program off with today was impactful to me. The inclusion piece and being able to to get people connected, to learn about others, to to see the uh, the capabilities and to 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 learn about cultures and to ease fears. Quite honestly, that inclusion piece to me, when people, um, you know, I, I think Ron talked about people they wear different clothes or maybe they speak a different language. When you see that people are people, in in my opinion, in my experiences, if people at their core are people, it allows for so much more. So what I've looked to do is through supporting a couple of different programs, help people to get more exposure so they have inclusion through, uh, through education, supporting educational programs, and through, um, through mentoring in, in that regard to open up that aperture again, to give people uh, the opportunity to integrate, to uh, focus on themselves, but to give them the opportunities where they are, are able to be included because they've, they've been able to attain a good education and that, that they are in a position where they themselves will be able to, to mentor others. I'm working uh, in a couple different areas, helping women of color in, in New York City to get education. And I, I think that those goals are, are critically important from an inclusion perspective. 
is, is all about the human experience and being part of it and, and kind of just taking it all in. And it sounds like you've done it a, a lot. And I think that's one topic we should touch on in a bit is, you know, how to put yourself in front of the experience and, and gain the experience to know that not everyone's the same. Everyone is unique in their own ways. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask MK also, what have been your goals in the industry from a DE&I perspective? I know that you're doing a lot with diversity, but looking forward, what kind of mark are you hoping to leave? Actually, I, I want to double click on the diversity um, topic for a little bit here uh, because it's where I am able uh, as an individual to contribute to both the industry and people's uh, individual experience in a way uh, that allows me to see the impact that just a simple networking meeting or a scholarship opportunity or an event where people are brought together so you can either hear a talk, meet people. Cyversity has been a, um, a big boon to, I think, the industry. And um, what I love about participating and leading in this is that we literally see the impact that it has on individuals' lives. And instead of, you know, waiting for these papers to come out and reviews and research about, oh, the needle's moving uh, as it relates to DEI in Silicon Valley, I like the ability to actually impact people's lives individually. Um, and one of the ways, uh, for example, that we have been able to do that is that, you know, through the um, sponsorship of companies like CrowdStrike, and in fact, CrowdStrike was a sponsor of a uh, scholarship opportunity that we put together uh, over the course of the last year for uh, diverse candidates who had not uh, had any experience in the cybersecurity industry. Uh, Sean was uh, grateful enough to introduce me internally to the, you know, the social responsibility apparatus there at CrowdStrike. I solicited support from uh, my then company, Palo Alto Networks, and went out and raised money also with a company called Bishop Fox. And we sponsored an effort uh, between Cyversity and the SANS organization to actually put folks through a funnel of education to get certifications and, and uh, hopefully jobs on the other end in the cybersecurity industry. And we you know, targeted, of course, diverse candidates. And it, it was something that all of us, all of the entities that both sponsored the uh, opportunity and contributed to building it, we were all passionate about and wanted to make sure that we could impact people's lives. So for me, my goal, as I also, you know, I'm entering, I think, you know, probably the last phase of my pr professional career over the next uh, several years, I, I want to impact individuals' lives. I love it when I hear those individual stories or someone sends, I, I can't tell you the pleasure I get out of folks reaching out to me and saying, hey, that introduction you made, I'm, I got that job or, you know, the, the time that you spent that half hour prepping me for that interview, it, you know, I knocked it out of the park. I'm going to get that job. That's, that's what I'm all about. It, it's trying to make sure that individually, as I encounter people, as I expose folks to this issue, if I'm able to see them successful making that transition for themselves, then I'm doing exactly what I'm meant to be doing right now. Excellent. Kudos to CrowdStrike also, again, for all the things that you all are doing with us and Cyversity. It seems like, you know, you have your hands in a lot of pots. And MK, I got to say, wait, before we even met, you already made an impact on me in my life. I was also working at Palo Alto Networks, and I kept hearing MK Palmer, MK Palmer, he's doing great things. And I thought to myself, wow, this guy that I don't even know is doing all of this. I want to be more like him. I want to do more things that are going to help people, that are going to make me feel full inside, even whether or not I know this person or not. And that that's a great uh, kind of light that I see you in MK. And that's even a story that before the story. But I also wanted to ask the same from Marianne and Olivia. What are your goals when it comes to DE&I? And how are you approaching them today? You know, I think from a we take the D, the E, and the I almost separately because I think they're, they each have their own initiatives and they each need their own plans and effort and energy behind advancing them. So you know, we, we break it down. I think on the diversity spectrum, um, we're making really good progress. There's more that we can do. There's more that we're focused on doing. I think to your point, it starts by reaching down in the organization and being really uh, proactive and thoughtful about creating opportunities. It starts all the way with 
I think CrowdStrike has an incredible internship program where we take people really at the early stage of their career and really looking at those individuals we're bringing on board and making sure that you know the leaders we want to cultivate for tomorrow are representative of the future we want the business to look like. So I feel particularly proud of the work that the organization is doing there. And I think I love hearing about the the community college initiatives. I mean, those are the places that I think those are the, the times in people's career where the efforts we make today really will yield extraordinary benefits in the future. And then it's once what got them in, again, it's the E and the I, right? It's really making them feel welcome and supported and making those connections um, and knowing that, that there are communities within the organizations that um, are there invested in their success. It's about our collective success. So I think the you know, I feel incredibly positive about the programs that exist. It's really just continuing to, to, to push harder and, um, you know, and really, really lean into those. Love the mindset. It reminds me of what Sean was saying about just taking one step at a time and continuing to move forward. And I think it's all about starting at the source, like you're describing, going to the community colleges, maybe even going to the high schools and elementary schools to talk to kids about technology because they might not have that exposure from their parents. But Olivia, I also wanted to get your uh, goals when it comes to DE&I and how are you approaching them? Well, uh, again, I think it's all, we we said a lot about the diversity in, in the arena where I'm at at community colleges, but I think to to link back to some of the things that MK was saying is one of the things that I really want to do and continue to do is to be a connector between the community colleges, the employers, the community-based organizations. I mean, through my work and with Cyversity, we have a lot of partners. There's a lot of people out there that are doing great work. They're connecting with the right people to the target populations we want to reach, let's put them together and let's collaborate to make these things happen. So I see myself as a connector of all of the ecosystem as much as I can be. And then the other uh, goal that I have is more around inclusion, because I think that that is our next big challenge. And I think think it was Chris, you, one of you or either Ron were saying that our workplaces are our laboratories of inclusion. So often we're coming from different communities, environments, where we live is often very homogeneous. But when we come to the workplace, we come to this great opportunity to get to know each other, our cultures and our backgrounds. And, you know, and I, I would just like to, you know, piggyback on something on Sean's story from another perspective, just to tell a really quick story. About 15 years ago, I was uh, taking a course in executive coaching. And of course, I was the only black person of color there. And we're sitting around the fire. And one of my colleagues says, Olivia, I have a question I really want to ask you. And I hope this doesn't offend you. But you seem so comfortable here with us. But when I find myself in a totally different environment, I am totally uncomfortable. How do you do it? And my only response to him was just show up. Just be there and keep being there because eventually you will become comfortable. Eventually you'll get comfortable with my culture. I have to go back and forth between multiple cultures and I have that experience. You will gain it. And I really think that that is what we need to leverage in our employees of color, in our tech employees of color, because that's what they bring that flexibility, that adaptability, that problem solving, because they've been faced with it. And then I think we as leaders also learn that. And when we do, we all become part of contributing to an inclusive, accepting culture. So that is my goal. I would like to embed that kind of thinking in leadership development for in organizations that are really serious about creating inclusive environments. So that that's my big vision. <laughs> mm. What you're saying is just so powerful. Everything that you're mentioning, I'm like just taking it all in. And this is going to be verbiage and words that I'm going to be using going forward when I talk to people about diversity, equity, and inclusion. The definition you gave for equity, mind blowing. It's so simple, but it tells the complex story so well. And this has been probably one of the fastest hours I've ever had in my entire life. 
Uh, but before we close this out, we have so much wisdom on the call. And I'm sure there are people that are listening to this right now that want to make moves and make a change and make a difference in the world of diversity, equity, and inclusion. With everyone, a captive audience, what is that one thing you would want to say to everyone around the world? Know yourself, know your value, reach out, know that there are resources out there and people who really do want to help and, and want to invest in your success. And so, you know, be your best advocate. Yeah, two things. One, build your network. Uh, as you guys know, and as I think we've had conversations before, I'm a huge believer in networking. It is the difference maker for that intersectionality between preparation, opportunity, maybe a little bit of sprinkling of luck. Build your network and be intentional about the network that you build so that it yields potential opportunities for you, but also to put you in a position to help others. And then the second thing I'll just say is something simple. Just start. I'm also a big believer in momentum. Uh, and you really have to, you know, it seems like such a daunting task, especially uh, as it relates to sort of shifting into this widespread field of technology and or cybersecurity as a subset. Just start. Take a course at the you know community college level. Pursue a certification. Build that network. Do all of those things at the same time, and I promise you it will be uh, results. Just start. Love that. Sean, what about you? Probably an aggregation of what everybody's already said here. I think so much of life is about attitude and it goes to what MK is talking about, right? Just build your relationships, take a step, start somewhere. Uh, so having that positive attitude and showing up, how important is that? That's, that's so important. Being there, being present, having an open mind. Olivia has said so many important things here. Just show up, just be there and make things happen. It's one step at a time. Absolutely. It seems like that's the theme, right? Show up, be there, be present and support other people. And Olivia, bring us home. What do you want to tell the world out there? Gosh, I wish I could put all of the things that Marietta and Sean and MK have said all, all into to one word. But, you know, I really, I think uh, if I could add something it would be optimism. We are all here right now because we are optimistic about where we're going with cybersecurity and DEI and cybersecurity. And so that that is what I would add. I love it. Optimism, being there, showing up, supporting other people, having empathy. These are all important things. And if we all just, even if this podcast just moves the, the needle 1%, I think the entire world will be much better for it. Thank you all so much for the time. I did want to give everyone some space to let people know how they can reach you and follow up on things like Cyversity. Marianne Heck, how can people stay in touch with you? Reach out at any time. It's LinkedIn, via CrowdStrike. Um, always happy to, to help anyone in, uh, in any way. So don't be shy. MK? MK Palmore on LinkedIn. Uh, I use the platform for networking. Olivia? Same here. Olivia Hereford at LinkedIn. And also, pretty easy email at BACCC.net. Olivia at BACCC.net. Feel free to shoot me an email. And Sean? Yeah, LinkedIn platform, I think, is the best as well. Excellent. It's been a true honor and pleasure to speak to you all today. And I would highly encourage everyone to reach out. Like MK said, it's all about networking. And that's how we have gotten to this conversation in the first place, by just one message that led to all of this. And with that, we appreciate everyone for listening and see you all next time.